Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Get our, our Bibles out tonight. That's our workbook. That's the blueprint for victorious living. If you're using a, an app on your phone, you can break that out. Uh, if you don't have any of that tonight, uh, Sharon's going to help us out with projection. And if you don't mind, Sharon, go ahead and, and put up uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And let's believe for revelation. How many of you know that we can't hear from God with our mind? We have to commune with Him with our heart. So let's connect our heart tonight. Father in heaven, we thank you that, that your book, the Bible, is a spiritual book. It's written by your spirit to our spirit. And so right now, we claim the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the, in the knowledge of you that the eyes of our spirit would be enlightened. So we thank you, Lord, that you'll, you'll tailor what's spoken tonight to each one of us individual. You will show us those things that will answer our questions. You will illuminate a path for us to follow you. And Lord, I thank you for utterance, for your spirit is upon me. Therefore, I'll speak by the anointing. Thank you, Lord, for all this and what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, Wednesday, is the, the normal day that my wife and I go and we visit this beautiful young lady up here. I, am I right in saying 91? 91 years old. She's one of our key intercessors here at the amen. church. And we go to... Her daughter's house who's up there with the projection Sharon and we just have a time where we we, we pray a little bit and then we we do some some old songs you know like the old rugged cross and we got into prayer for a little bit and and the Lord the Lord gave us a uh, a prophecy and it it really stirred my heart uh, because he was speaking to us and he he wanted us to make aware make us aware of some things Amen. and that's where tonight's service pretty much got its conception and as you all know that in the early church in the infancy the infancy of the church and, and getting it to take root and, and to begin going into all the world that they experienced a great persecution uh, they paid the price uh, for preaching Jesus and, and to follow him. And I want you to see this in, in Acts 1.8. It talks about Saul. You, you know him as the Apostle Paul. This is before he had an encounter with God. And he had consented to the, the death of Stephen. And it says here that at that time, and this is probably eight years in from the ascension of Christ. Some have said that the, the chapters of, of Acts are kind of like uh, years and so this would be the eighth year since his ascension or thereabouts and it says that great persecution was against 
the church which were at Jerusalem and they were all scattered I guess some because of that persecution began to, to seek safety they were scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria except the apostles who obviously stayed there in Jerusalem I, I want us to to identify this word persecution I know you know what it means but I'll give you a definition anyway. Persecution in, in terms of persecuting the church or the individual believer is to stop the spread of the gospel. That's uh, the kingdom of darkness. Uh, that's their strategy to, to keep us quiet, to keep us from spreading the good news. And so they come with external uh, threats. They come with external persecution and, and violence to get us to stop. And what the prophecy was uh, this morning is that in the same way that the early church was persecuted, you and I are coming into a season before the Lord, the Lord will receive us up in the air that persecution of the church is going to increase. Now, we really, at least in my lifetime, I didn't begin to sense the persecution of the church until a couple of presidents ago. And, and that's when I could sense some change. That, that, the, that the leaders of, of, of the world at that time were beginning to, to kind of separate us from the herd, so to speak, from other religions. And we became the focus of persecution. A lot of it was in the way the laws were being set up. And I believe that that's going to escalate because the devil knows that the the end of his time on this earth is growing ever so shortly and he's gonna scratch and bite and do what he can do to try to hinder the return of Christ and we saw this on Sunday that we're in a season where we should be preparing and reaching out for harvest because the harvest is the end of the world. And so in his mind, in his way of thinking, if he can hinder us in uh, pursuing the great commission of the Lord Jesus and, and we don't reach the nations as we should or can through him, then that will lengthen his time here. And so I believe that we're coming in a season of an increase of persecution and it's something that I never in, thought I would see in my lifetime as being an American we're living in an hour that we're seeing things that I never thought could could take place and yet they are and so I want to look tonight understand that God always has preempted everything that we're gonna need to face whatever we face in life and he equipped the early church to get through persecution so they they could be they could be faithful they could be steadfast they could continue to be bold and, and unafraid what the enemy would do to them and so let's look at one I hesitate to call it this Let's look at, I, I, I'm, 
I may retract this later, okay, so I'm just telling you. I want to look at a weapon that the Lord has given us. And so go over to, you're already in Acts, the 8th chapter. Go to the 16th chapter of Acts and understand that you're never really going to hear anything new from me. How exciting was that statement right there? <laughs> Come on. What do you mean? Well, I'm a meat and potato pastor. And we, we talk about where we live. And uh, we'll leave all the fancy stuff to the other guys that, are, that have more grace. But I'm just going to just, just do what I do. Hallelujah. Because that's where the anointing is and that's where the grace is. So look here in the 16th verse of Acts 16. And this is uh, Paul and Silas. And they're on a missionary trip. And uh, as they went to prayer, there was a certain damsel that was possessed. She had someone living inside of her uh, with a spirit, a divination. And she was being used. She was a tool of her masters, it says, to make much gain or a lot of money by soothsaying or telling fortunes. I mean, you know, that the, the devil has some ways to have the supernatural happen through his domain and his influence. Now, it's interesting. Uh, the same followed Paul and us. So this damsel is following this group of believers going to prayer and, and began, could I say, heckling them. And she began to say, and you understand that this wasn't her speaking. This demon would, would speak through her. We're talking about a woman that was completely possessed, which was a lot more common in the early church than it is today here in America. Although it's not, you, you'll find some of them. These, listen to what she says. These men, so she, she, she identifies Paul and Silas. These men are of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. And it says that she repeatedly did this when they would go to prayer. Now, some people would say, well, that, that's not bad. She's not saying anything bad. Well, you don't want the devil advertising for you. Right? It says that in the 18th verse that this did she many days, but then Paul being grieved on one of those days on the way to prayer. And notice it says that he said to the spirit. He didn't speak to the girl. See, you and I can't control human beings any more than God can control human beings. God gave each one of us a, a, the freedom to choose. He's given us our own sovereign will. And so in prayer, you can't control somebody. You can bring the Holy Spirit down and the presence of God upon them to help influence them and help them in their decision making, but you can't control them. So he, he couldn't speak to the woman. 
and tell her to stop. He spoke to the devil that was speaking through the woman. And you and I have to get, get perceptive enough to recognize when the devil is using somebody to, to hinder us, to discourage us. And begin to take authority over that spirit, at least to tell it to be quiet. But here he turned to the spirit and he says, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to what? Come out of her. And so you understand that Jesus did tell us that in his name we would cast out devils. But that's talking about your own sphere of influence. I can't walk down the street and start casting devil out of people. Apparently, Paul had unction from the Holy Spirit, a word of knowledge of exactly what he was to do. And he did it. And it says that that spirit came out the same hour, so this probably wasn't an instant delivery. He might have tore her before he left. Verse 19, And when the masters saw that the hope of their gains was now gone, this woman who was making, this, making us this money, they caught or apprehended Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace uh, unto the rulers or up to the authorities. So understand that once the Lord begins to manifesting his power and his glory through the church, that's what gets the devil's attention. When, when the church is display, displaying the power of his resurrection through salvations, deliverances, healings, now you're shrinking the kingdom of the devil. And he doesn't take kindly to that, so he's going to pull out one of his strategies to hinder. Now understand that the devil has just two main ways to hinder a, a, an organized group or church. He can either persecute it from the outside or he can try and come on the inside and divide it and separate it. Has anyone ever heard of a church split before? Well, that's when the devil is given access on the inside begins to influence certain individuals and gets enough people to say, hey, if this doesn't happen this way, we're leaving. In most cases, it doesn't go their way, so they leave. So understand that when the Lord is moving in, in a church, in a ministry, and these, these manifestations of glory of the resurrection power of the Lord begins to manifest. People start getting delivered, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed. The enemy is going to bring pressure. And that's exactly what Paul and Silas experienced. Go down to the 22nd verse. How many are excited about tonight's message? You're so glad that you came, right? That's what you wanted to hear about tonight, persecution. And to, to be perfectly honest with you, in 28 years of doing this, I don't ever remember a message on persecution. Don't worry, it's, it's a side subject here. 
verse 22. Look at this. The multitude did what? They rose up together. So now they have a group against them. And the magistrates rent their clothes. See, I would want to have a clothing store in some of these places in the Middle East where they rip their clothes up. You could, you could sell a lot of garments that way. But they ripped their clothes off, and then they commanded that they would be beaten. See, that's persecution. Right? That's, those are not only threats in this case, but they're actually becoming violent. Verse 23. So they beat them, and part of that beating is as they whip them, they receive stripes, I'm assuming in a similar way that Jesus did. And after they beat them and whip them, it says they were cast into prison. And then they gave a charge to the jailer to keep them safely. That was code for if these guys escape, you're going into jail or worse. So he had great motivation to hold these guys captive in the jail. And so having received, verse 24, such a charge, he thrust them into the inner prison. So that would be the most secure location. And not only did he put them in a, I'm assuming some sort of a, a cell in the inner prison, he then also made their feet to be held in stocks and I'm assuming that they're now chained to the wall now when we read a testimony like this I think it's a good idea for us to put ourselves in the story see when we're looking from the outside oh that's interesting yeah they were doing this and this happened but it's different if you put yourself on the street following what the Lord told you to do and you're preaching the gospel. You've gone to the city he told you to go to. You're in the perfect will of God. And you're, you're getting people set free. Just before this story is a story of a woman who gets saved. And she may have been part of this group that was going to pray each day. And so here's Paul and Silas. They're being obedient to what the Lord told them to do. And here they find themselves getting beat up and then whipped and then thrown into jail. And put yourself there. Because you and I are going to face circumstances in life where it may not be the exact same as Paul and Silas, but we're going to have to make a choice. How am I going to deal with this? And there's this tendency sometimes that when you're endeavoring to follow the Lord and be one of his disciples, that when things like this happen, there's always that thought that comes. Does anybody know what that thought is? Why did the Lord let this You know, that's a subject that you and I need to get settled really early in our walk with the Lord. He'll never willfully commission any harm to come to us. Amen. Amen. Yes. 
And when harm does come, it's from the wicked one. And it's intended to get you off course. It's intended to get you bitter. It's, a, it's intended to offend you. And then for you to consider, is this really worth it? Is this really worth going to church? Is this really worth giving my tithe? Is this really worth me serving at the church? Is it really, I can do this, I can do that? I could be on the open road with the wind in my hair. <laughs> and there is a time for that. So put yourself there. And you're, you're going to have to consider when you put yourself there the mindset of Paul and Silas. You see, too many of us are focused on the sweet right now. And we become very short-sighted of where we're going. And we have to be very careful that we don't let the emotions of the now hinder the vision we saw where we were going. Because vision of where we're going is always of the heart. But decisions of the moment are always emotional. And they are not a true depiction of what's going on or what's at stake. Amen? So, so here's Paul and Silas. And Brother Hagan always talked about this verse 25 about at midnight. And he says that was the darkest time of your challenge. The darkest place of your life. Now here's Paul and Silas in the perfect will of God. They've been beaten. They've been whipped. They're thrown in the inner jail, which I heard was not real sweet. Chained to the wall, and they prayed. Didn't say they griped. Didn't say they complained. Doesn't say that they asked the Lord why He let this happen. But they give, they gave God place to move in their behalf. They prayed and asked the Lord that his will would be done in their life. But they didn't stop there. And this is where many of us stop. Come on. We are great prayers. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you guys are all the fruit of the word and faith movement. And you know how to pray. You know how to believe God. But sometimes you and I, we stop there. Come on. Yes, sir. So how many of you know that after Paul and Silas prayed, nothing in the seen feeling realm changed? They were still in that stinky, dark prison next to who knows who, sitting over... Whatever, I heard a lot of times the sewers ran through the inner parts of, the, of the, the prisons. Their back's still hurting. The other parts of their body that were beaten are still hurting. 
Everything seemed the same. But in their heart, they believed something. And that's what I want you and I to see tonight. That when we reach out to God in the midst of the persecution, the challenges, the turmoil, the situations, the whatevers of life that are going to come because we're living in a fallen world. How are we going to react? He prayed, but then because he believed something, it said that he sang praises unto God. Now that's what we're identifying as our secret weapon to overcome. And I'm not sure many of us practice this. I'm putting myself in that category. We're good prayers. But we also need to make our prayers effectual. You, you still with me? You still glad you came? Look at this. They prayed and sang praises unto God. Did you see what it said? It said they prayed and they did what? They sang praises unto God. Well, that's because they believe something. What do you suppose they believe? Well, John told it best. He heard them. And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask him anything according to his will, according to his word, he what? He hears us. And if he hears us, and we know that he did, and it says we have the confidence that we have what we ask for. And so Paul and Silas knew that once they prayed, that was the turning point. That was the dipping point. God's now involved. We pray. And I don't care how dark it is. I don't care how it looks, how impossible it is. Or how many times this happened before and, and you couldn't get out of it. But here you are again. This time, I believe he heard me. I believe I have what he gave me. And that it should be a spontaneous reaction from that belief to thank the Lord. Amen? If You see, faith has fruit. Faith has evidence that has been released. And we can see those points of evidence. One is to be thankful. Another is to enter into rest. Another is to have joy. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. So check this out. They prayed and they sang praises unto God. And they did it in such a way that you could tell that they were unashamed. You could tell that they could care less who heard them because they weren't talking to those that heard them. They were talking to God. Amen. And that's why you need to be the loudest singer during praise and worship. 
Because I don't care what the other person thinks on to my left or my right. Amen. I'm not singing to them. That's right. Amen. My heart is reflecting what I believe towards him. Yes. And the prisoners heard them. How many of you know that they could have been out of key? <laughs> How many of you know that Silas was maybe tone deaf and he couldn't carry a tune in a bucket? that has nothing to do with it. It came from their inner man. It came from their heart. It came from that place where faith is released. Then in verse 26 came a suddenly. Oh, I love suddenlies. (laughs) Suddenlies are like weather in Colorado. You know, I can remember a day in the spring that I was at work. I had an outside job, and I was working in a T-shirt, and I was sweating. And within an hour, we had a snowstorm, and in in two hours, we had two inches of snow on the ground. All in a matter of two hours. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly, suddenly, there was a great earthquake. I mean, you know that the devil has earthquakes, and God has earthquakes. Do you know how you tell the difference? One destroys things, the other produces the will of God. And so in this great earthquake, because of their prayer and because of their praise, took place so that the foundations that's the foundation or the root of what caused your circumstance a lot of times we pray at the circumstances how'd you like to be able to pray at the root (laughs) an area that maybe you don't even know about because it's unseen it's a root you like to start drying it up from there like Jesus did with the fig tree the foundation of the prison was what shaken what happened immediately all the doors (laughs) all the doors were open and if that wasn't miraculous enough those chains that were holding them to the walls around their feet fell off of them and they were loose. Now see, here is the reason why you and I need to push through the pressure that comes against us. It's not just about us. See, you missed a really good spot right there to say, (laughs) Amen. Amen. It's not just about us. And usually that's our problem. There's a lot more at stake. You see, this victory that Paul and Silas wrought with their faith and with their praise set a whole prison free.
Hallelujah. Notice the conjunction together with prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. We could cite over there in Philippians, I believe it's chapter 4, it says to make your requests known unto God with thanksgiving. We need to see these two coupled together. Prayer is lifting our voice and our request to God. But praise is the expression of our heart that we have what we ask for. huge that's huge I, I had so much more tonight I don't want to keep you I know it's the middle of the summer I think it's been raining I that's not any, any summer I remember in Colorado but okay it's summer there's just two points I want to make and I'll go quickly let's talk about this praise after we pray Number one, praise always brings God on the scene. It tells us over there in Psalm 22, 3, that God takes up a habitation or a dwelling in the midst of our praise. One scripture describes it is that you create a throne in your praise for God to sit on. Oh, glory to God. You ever wonder why people get slain in the spirit? God sits on them. Praise creates an environment in which God can dwell in a greater measure. And that's when that greater measure is manifest, it brings light, it brings power, it brings provision, it brings victory. The more of God in our midst, the more power is available. Number two, and this is really what I want us to get tonight, Praise, the giving of thanks, the worship to God after we pray is an expression of what we believe is an expression of our faith. Go ahead and put up Hebrews eleven six, please. I want you to see that you can't worship except from your spirit. God says this over here in verse 6 of Hebrews 11. He says, and let me put it in the positive side, with faith, it's possible to please God. Faith pleases God because you're taking him at his word. You're not, you're not pleasing him by going how you feel or how it perceives. You're believing him solely on what he has said. And that pleases him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. You see, that's why the world's having a problem. They have no physical evidence of God. And therefore, to them, there is no God. Aren't you glad that the Lord allowed us to see him with our heart? Oh, I'm so thankful for that. Because I was a seeing is believing guy before Christ. And by his grace, he showed me Jesus. 
You see, when we come to God in praise, you are in faith concerning that God is and that he's good and he's faithful and he always performs his word. And number two, that he also rewards. That's answer, answered prayer. You've got to believe that God is, verse 6, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And when you praise, you qualify to be rewarded because you're believing in that which you can't see. You believe you have the answer without even seeing it. And you are rewarded. Praise enhances or puts our faith on steroids. I'll close with this story. I'll tell it the best I can. This is a story that the dad would, would use to, for us students to kind of get a hold of the, the power that's in praise. And it's about a, an old-time evangelist he was known nationally, internationally. He was very successful. Traveled all over the world. And he had a lot of substance. He, the Lord blessed him. Well, he, he contracted this, this incurable disease in terms of what man can do. And he had to come off the road. But he went to all the, the, the main line, the, 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 the nationally known evangelists that were a part of the healing revival that was going on. And he had all the big boys pray for him. William Branham, uh, Brother Allen, Cole, all the big guys. I don't know if he had Oral Roberts or not, but he, he went around and... and and then he would, everywhere that he would visit, he would say, pray for me. And whole congregations would say, yeah, we'll pray for you. And, and several years went by. And his, his condition got worse. And finally, he just ended up at his mom's farm. And he went there to die. And so he was at this state where his life was slipping away from him in terms of being able to stay on the earth. And he knew he had more to, more to offer. And he began to consider how many people had prayed for him. He began to consider how many churches and congregations uh, were praying for him. And he kind of did the math in his mind, and he was thinking, well, there's thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people praying for me. What's, what, what's wrong? What am I missing? What am I missing? And so he began to seek the Lord. He knew God couldn't miss it. He knew he had to be missing it. So he began to entreat the Lord and say, okay, what adjustment do I have to make? I know that we have prayed. I know we have multitudes that are believing for what you promised. What adjustment do we have to make? And he had kind of a, a, a vision. 
I don't know if it was a lower form of vision where he got the revelation in his spirit and then saw it. I don't know if it was an open vision. But he saw one of those old-fashioned scales. You know, the kind that you, you put a weight on this side and then you put something else on the other side to weigh it and when it equaled out, then you knew how much that, that weighed. You know, that kind of a scale. And the Lord showed him that his scale right now was like this. He says, down here, excuse me, down here that the heavy part of the scale is all weighted down with prayer. But up here is praise. The giving of thanks that you have what you ask for. And in the vision he said, once this scale gets to equal, you will receive your healing. Well, he, he looked out the window of the old farmhouse and he saw this tree out up on a little hill, maybe a quarter mile from the house. And he decided, I'm going to go out there on that hill and I'm going to praise God and get that scale to where my praise equals my prayers. And so these were in the latter stages of this illness, and he didn't have a lot of strength. And it took all he had to get up there to that tree. And then sat down exhausted. And all of a sudden he heard in his voice, he heard in his mind, this, this voice said, well, now you've done it. You're going to die up here. And they're not even going to know where you are until the buzzards come and circle around your corpse. That was an encouraging word. <laughs> but he already knew what God showed him to do. Amen. So in a very weak voice, he began to praise God. He began to thank him for his healing. He began to thank him that God had heard his prayer. He began thanking him that God was faithful. And he praised him hour after hour after hour after hour. I don't know how long it was. But the scale was moving. I said the scale was moving. And he kept praising and praising and praising and praising. And then all of a sudden he sensed strength come to him. And his voice started getting louder. And his praise began to get louder. And his expression got louder and louder and louder. He received his healing. They said afterwards they heard his voice over a mile away praising God and thanking the Lord that he was healed. Thank you, Lord. This message encourages me. There's more we can do. Sometimes we put it off on God to do it all, to do all the heavy lifting. But you know, we do have a part to play in every prayer in everything that we do. Yes. What do you say we'd be a little bit more conscious yes. Amen. of balancing the scale between our prayers, our requests, and our praise? Could you imagine what it's like for God is that, that all he hears is gimme, gimme, gimme. Now, he, he, he's not bothered by that because he asks us to ask. 
wouldn't it be refreshing to hear give me and then oh thank you so much that you gave that to me oh you're so faithful thank you lord that you're honoring your word and lift up that praise father we want to thank you tonight for helping us to 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 look at this testimony of paul just maybe a little different tonight and we know that you're always there for us we know that you're always providing you're always blessing but lord i'm thankful that we're becoming more aware of how we can assist you in manifesting the answer to our prayer help us to be more aware of how effectual praise enhances the faith that you've given us help us to practice what we saw Paul and Silas to do what we saw over there in Philippians to pray with Thanksgiving and just to to increase our gratefulness towards you that we'd always be grateful that we'd always be thankful that we'd always see Lord that you're doing things for us even though we haven't earned them nor deserve it I thank you for it father let's lift our hands and say thank you Lord hallelujah I will pray with thanksgiving I will pray with praise in Jesus name amen hallelujah well thanks for coming out glad you're here tonight we'll see you next time